You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 182. In this episode, I'm speaking to Jason Brown on how to start investing into stock. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Jason Brown, who is a stock market coach and options trader at The Brown Report. Jason has a passion for teaching others how to unlock the financial power of the stock market and to avoid the mistakes that he has made over the years. Some of his YouTube training videos have reached over 1 million views and he has several investing courses that have helped thousands of students around the world start investing. Go to signal.com forward slash 182 for the show notes and there you also find links to Jason Brown. I am super excited to be here with Jason Brown, who is together with me in James Wetmore's Inner Circle. Thank you for being on the show, Jason. Hey, glad to be here. It's a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in my second year on Inner Circle and Jason is in his first year, probably first of many. And uh, it was so great to meet you at the first retreat. Like it clicked right away and you have so much to share. So your story hooked me in on the very first evening and it made me think, wow, going into investing like you did is what everyone should be doing, but most people aren't. So my audience is mostly entrepreneurs or those who want to be entrepreneurs, but people get so hooked up in their business that they forget to think about investing and basically building up another revenue stream. So how did you start in investing? And then as a follow-up question, we will discuss how can someone like I or someone in the audience start to go into investing so they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. But I want to hear your story first. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I think what you you said is so uh, interesting and important that most business owners, because I'm a business owner too, And most people do get so caught up in running their business, but they don't think, especially when you're a business owner, you have to plan your own retirement. You have to plan your own, you know, in the U.S. 401k type deal or IRA. And so um, it's definitely an important topic that people should be exploring and, and thinking about. So I got started back when I was about 18. I had about $2,000 and I took it to a bank. I took it to Chase Bank over here in the U.S. And I said, I heard people that become wealthy. You always hear about people coming wealthy from the stock market. Nobody in my community that I knew of was was investing. So I took $2,000. I went to the bank and I said, you know, I'd like to invest. And the lady said, you know, so what's your goal? And I was like, I want to be rich. Like, isn't that everybody's goal? <laughs> like, what do you mean? What's my goal? <laughs> like, <laughs> any other goal for investing? And so um, I'm like, I want to be rich. And she just said, so that means you want aggressive funds, right? 
So I'm like, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and that sounds great. Yeah, I want some aggressive growth. And basically, I came back about two, two and a half years later. I think I was about 21 at the time. And that $2,000 that I signed over to them was down to 700 And so a couple of things went through my mind at that point. I said, first of all, it's been about two and a half years. And that money did nothing but like decrease. So I felt like I lost time. Like, okay, so I lost two and a half years of nothing. And then it was like, it was worse than two and a half years of nothing because I had less than what I started with. And so I said, if I'll come to the quote unquote professionals to not lose me money and they lost me money, I've realized, I just realized like at that point that they're human beings and that I could have lost my own money. And so I would rather learn how to do this myself because I came to the professional, the professional lost me money. You must not be that good. Or if it's not a matter of you being that good or not, it's just a matter of you can lose money too. But if that's the case, that means you can make money, then I can learn how to make money too as well. So I just kind of looked at it from that standpoint. And, you know, fast forward, what happened was I took that $700 out of the Chase investment and I spent like 200 bucks. So I had $500 left. And at the time I was working for a company called Sprint PCS. I was working weekends, making $8 an hour. And so on an eight hour shift, that was $64. And when they took taxes out, I had about $50 left. And so I was just thinking, man, if I can find a way to make $50 from the stock market, have my money work for me and me not work so hard for it, then I wouldn't have to work Saturdays. And coincidentally, our stock price at Sprint was $5. And so I'm like, I don't need the stock to move 50, 100 bucks. I was like, I can buy 100 shares for $5, so that would be 500 bucks. All it needs to do is move 50 cents. I'm like, I'm not asking for the world here. I'm asking for 50 cents. <laughs> and so when I first bought it, it went from $5 down to $4. And that's when I was like, great. I knew this doesn't work. I felt like somebody was watching me over my shoulder in the moment I bought that they were like, okay, sell it off. <laughs> and so the stock dropped. And so I started to doubt myself. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know if this works. And then it went back up to five. So I'm at break even. I'm like, yes, I'm about to finally make some money. And then it fell down again to $4. And that's when I had this um, vision, I guess. I said, I started to notice the pattern. I was like, every time it hits $5, it falls to four. But every time it hits four, it goes back up to five. And so I said, next time it goes to five, I'm going to get out at my break even. When it falls back down to four, I'm going to buy in. And then when it rises back up to five, I'm going to get out. And I did that. And instead of making $50, I made 100 bucks. And so I didn't realize if you drew that out on a piece of paper, you would see like a literal pattern, like a snake. And that was, but I, I called it like a snake pattern. But I come to find out it has a real name. It's called a channeling stock. It's channeling between two prices, between four five, four, five is channeling. And so I started thinking like, well, what other patterns out there exist in the stock market that I don't know about? So I really went full blown studying these patterns, looking for them, learning them. And once I, I realized, once you could understand what these patterns were and what they look like with a certain amount of predictability, it's kind of like running your business. If you send out enough emails or if you do enough cold calls, you know, there's a pattern like, 
Someone's going to say they don't have the money. Someone's going to say it's too expensive. Like, you know, I'm going to get about seven of these excuses, but on call number eight, nine, 10, I'm going to get a yes, or I'm going to get a maybe, and then I'm going to get a yes. If you get that out on a piece of paper, you'd say, that's my number, every 10 calls. Well, same thing with the stock market. I started realizing that there were patterns that 70, 80%, never 100%, nothing works 100% of the time, but I started realizing there's patterns that work about 70 to 80% of the time. And so I started learning those patterns and putting my money behind them. So that's literally how I got started. And then I'll tell this quick story. So once I made the $100, I was like, if I made $100 with 500, what if I had $5,000? I was like, oh, you know, I would have made 500. And I was like, if I had $10,000, I would have made a thousand. I thought I was just rich if I could make a thousand dollars without working for it. And so that's when I started thinking, how do I get $10,000? And so I had a scholarship to Wayne State University and I applied for student loans. I knew once they overpaid the account, I would get the refund check. So I took that $10,000 student loan and I grew it when they overpaid the account mixed with my scholarship when I got the money back. I put that ten thousand into the stock market and I grew it to about a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the first year. And I'm like twenty one, twenty two years old at this point, making a six figure income not working and I didn't even have my degree yet. So I was like hooked ever since. What you made over six figures with the ten thousand? Yeah, I made a hundred and it was like a hundred and twenty-six thousand or something like that. Yeah, with that ten thousand dollar student loan, and I'm like the youngest person I know with this type of money, not working a job. So I was like, "This is what I'll be doing the rest of my life." But it's interesting. You said you were not working, but of course you were working. But you know, in a sense that you had to understand the stock market. That's work too. And that's a good point. I never looked at it like that. I guess I was, I was working. I was putting in work in the industry that would pay me more than a job would. I never looked at it like that. So you're right. I guess I was working, but in a different industry. And if you look at it that way, I was working in a field where you don't see immediate results. I had to study. I had to put the work in and the results came later. So from a traditional standpoint, most people probably if they can't get immediate gratification, they won't go through with it. But I saw the long-term vision because I was like, if I had this much, I can make this much. And if I do this over time, what happens if I have a million-dollar account? You know, so I immediately saw 10, 20, 30 years out. Mm. It's about having the patience to wait and trust that your research is correct. Like you said, 7% of the time it works and 30% maybe it doesn't. Exactly. And so then you learn other stuff like position sizing, right? So if you know that three out of the 10 times it won't work or seven out of 10, it will, then you start realizing like, okay, how do I cut my losses or keep them small those three times so that I'm around for the other seven times? And when those seven times come, how do I make sure my earnings are big? So for example, I may make 20 to 50 to a hundred thousand on a trade, but then when I'm wrong, I like to be wrong like $5,000, $10,000. So I, I try not to at least not put as much money to be wrong in. It's, you don't know when you're going to be wrong, but that's why you kind of divide your money up so that you live to trade another day. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it's like not putting all your eggs in one basket. 
Yeah, if you have $100,000, maybe you only put 10000 in each trade. So that way, if three of them go wrong, you're wrong 30000 But that 70000 when it's right, it's right big. And next thing you know, your account is at maybe 150000 And so you're consistently growing and you're never risking it all. Um, so you start to learn strategies like that as well. So what if somebody listening has those $10,000? How much work is it? to grow it to six figures, let's say in 12 months? You know, now after being in this industry, I feel like I could say, well, it's not that hard at all. And I can confidently say it's not that hard because people are already participating in the stock market. They just don't know it. And what do I mean by that? People are already shopping, buying clothes from certain stores. They're already buying certain cars. They're buying iPhones. They just don't have Apple stock. <laughs> they have Nike shoes. They just don't have Nike stock. And so when you think about it from that perspective, it's actually not that hard. You're already in the stock market. You're just in it from the consumer end. You're the person helping the price go higher. Uh, you're just not getting any benefit from it. And I think if you could at least start at the most basic step and start to say, what are the things I like and pay for? And then start to study the trends, the financials of those companies or the charts like I do you'll start to see those trends that, wait a minute, I could be uh, making money from this. I always think about the auto industry and I think about my parents. I'm here in Detroit, Michigan. And I think there was a time where there were no cars. And then there was a time where they're opening up these factories, employing tons of people. And I just can't understand how my parents didn't say, let's buy some stock. This is a new thing. This is something that is revolutionizing the world. People are getting cars by the boatload. People are getting jobs. And every generation has that opportunity. Just think, there wasn't an iPad about, I don't know, maybe six years ago, there was no iPad. If you go, I think maybe eight years ago, there was no iPhone. And then all of a sudden it comes and revolutionizes. Now everyone has this iPhone. You know, so I think every generation has their opportunity to look for things that they're participating in but they're not profiting from, you know, before computers came, there was no Microsoft. And then you start hearing about the personal computer and how it's revolutionizing the world. And I just can't imagine why my parents didn't buy Microsoft stock either. But my point is, I think the first step is for people to pay attention to what's around them and what they're already buying, because it's a good chance if you like that product and it's a good product, their stock is probably doing well. That's number one. Number two, if you're talking about growing an account, you have 10,000, 100,000, you want to double it or grow it. You have to, I like to think of it like school or, or like the first day on the job. You don't just come in at the CEO level. And I think most people don't want to pay their dues. So you have to come in knowing day one, I'm going to feel dumb. I'm going to feel like I'm asking dumb questions. I'm going to feel like I'm bothering my boss. Um, you know, that's how you felt on day one of your job. That's exactly how you're going to feel day one of learning this industry. I think people come in like, I feel stupid. I don't know what I'm looking at. It's just confusing me. It's like, well, the first day of your job, did you know how to do it perfectly? Like when you started your podcast, did you just all of a sudden know what mic to get, how to host a podcast, how, how to hire an editor, right? So you have to give yourself some grace and say, for lack of better terms, I don't like the word stupid, but I'm just trying to relate to people. You have to say, I'm going to feel stupid for six months or 90 days or whatever the case may be. But there's going to come a point where 
you don't feel stupid and you start to pick up and understand. And I think the second phase is just when you think you understand, you have to paper trade, what we call virtual trade, paper trade, which is you practice with fake money, all right? Because you think you know it until you, you know, until you actually get in there and practice. It's like a, a, a pilot, right? Can you imagine throwing a pilot in the plane for the first time? He's never flown in a simulator. He got all these buttons, these controllers, and he's never flown in a simulator before. That would be terrifying. And it's the same thing with the market. People be like, if I give you $100,000, what would you do? First of all, I don't invest your money. I only invest mine. But they're so ready to jump in with their 100000 And it's like, well, wait, did you paper trade first? Did you practice to make sure you're reading the charts right? Because what people underestimate is two things are going to kick in when you're dealing with money, fear and greed. You're going to fear losing it. And when you're making it, you're going to be getting greedy and you're like, it's going to the moon. This is the stock that's going to put my grandkids through college. And the reality is when you should be selling, you're going to probably get greedy and let it stay too long. And then you're going to lose everything. I had someone email me recently. I said, you know, I'm making money, but I thought I would make more. And so I hold on to it. And then I end up losing it all. And I'm thinking, you know, no one trade is going to get you there. No one investment. So if you're up 1600 you have to be like me back in the day. I was happy with that $100. I was happy with that because if I kept making 100 I knew that all I had to do, if I had 10000 it would be 1000 If I had 100000 it would be 10000 And so you don't understand those emotions until you practice. And you need to be prepared to control them when you finally make it to real money. And so that would be kind of the path I would recommend someone take. Number one, embrace and be humble that you're not going to understand it. Number two, invest in learning how to do it. I can't tell you how many people come to the table with ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, and then you tell them about a $500 course, and they're like, I don't want to buy a course, or a course is too expensive. But you're willing to risk $10,000 with no education. It just makes no sense to me. So it would be, you know, realize you're not going to know everything. Get the education. Once you think you have the education, actually practice before you put real money down. And then I always tell my students or, you know, on my YouTube channel, so I always say, you want to make sure you're right seven out of 10 times or you're net profitable. Once you do that, then you're ready for real money. And what I mean by that is out of 10 trades, you can be wrong seven times, but if you have $10,000, you want to be wrong by $100, $200 those seven times, right? Because if you're wrong by $200 seven times, you're only wrong by 1400 bucks. You still have 8600 left. So by the time you get to time seven and 10 and you trade, if you're net profitable, so on the seventh and eighth, ninth, tenth, you make 1000 1000 1000 even though you lost fourteen hundred, you made three thousand. Your net profit is sixteen hundred, and I don't think people look at it like that. They look at it like I was wrong seven times. Well, you're gonna be wrong in this industry sometimes, right? But are you wrong small when you're wrong, and when you're right, are you right big? And most people just can't grasp that concept. They just keep thinking I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. But it's it's a net, net game, we call it. You need to be net positive, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. We tend to focus on the negative, whatever happens. 
even if lots of positive things happen, we focus on the negative. But I think this is quite similar to the medical industry. There's a reason they invest, let's say, in development of 10 treatments for the same disease. Because one is going to be the winner, or maybe three, but not 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they test, they test, they test, they test until they find the cure for cancer or the cure for high blood pressure or whatever the case may be. And yeah, they spend billions of dollars and millions of dollars researching and testing stuff that does not work. But once they find a cure, once they find the pill, the potion, whatever, I mean, they have a big hit and they probably helped and contributed to mankind. It's the, it's the same way with the stock market. And, and But the thing is with the stock market too, though, unlike the medical industry, you can get the results from the test before you ever put money down because you can look at the charts, you know what I'm saying? So you're getting data every day. And so you can jump in only when you feel the data supports it's time to put money behind it. So what if somebody had 1,000? You would say the best investment is probably invest first in education with those 1,000 and not put that straight to the stock market. I would definitely say start with education. And whether you have 1,000, 10,000, you have to get educated. There's a saying that goes, if you're a highly motivated person, but you don't understand what you're doing, all you, you know, you're just a motivated fool, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> I feel the same way about our industry and no disrespect to any doctors or lawyers that are listening, but I know doctors and lawyers because they make a high income as a doctor or a lawyer, they think that that income, they mistake that income for knowledge. And then they come over here as a motivated fool and they just lose big money. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you have $1,000 or $100,000. Without the education, you're both in the same position. You're going to lose it. You're going to feel like the market's rigged if you don't have education. So, and I was taught, and I didn't believe it at first, but I understand it after I figured out how to get my $10,000. And that is, once you have the education, you'll find the money. You'll find the money. Right. But having the money does not necessarily mean you will have the education. But if you have the education, you will find the money. And if I had a Lamborghini, a two hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini and I said, I'm, I'm moving out of the country. I can't take this car with me. I'm going to sell it for a thousand dollars. And, you know, it was hasn't been crashed. There's no funny business. How many people, you know, that don't have a thousand dollars today would find a way to come up with that thousand dollars for the Lamborghini. They will find a way. They will beg, borrow. They will sell their computer. They will pick up a second job, shovel some snow, cut some grass. Crowdfunding. <laughs> right. They'll do whatever they have to do to get that thousand dollars for the Lamborghini. Because they know they could turn around and sell it for 50, 100, 150,000. They could go to the pawn shop with it. They know the value of that car. But it's amazing to me that the same people won't come up with $500 or $1,000 to learn how I bought the Lamborghini. Now, I don't have a Lamborghini, but I'm saying they wouldn't come up with the money to learn how to pay for the education to buy multiple Lamborghinis. Does that make sense? And so once you have, but if you have the knowledge, like I did, when I had the knowledge, all I kept saying was, how do I get $10,000? How do I get $10,000? I started looking for opportunity that was right under my nose. I would have never thought, let me apply for a student loan 
and they'll double pay on my student account and I already have a scholarship and when they both pay I get the refund if I didn't have the knowledge I wouldn't have been looking for that but because I had the knowledge I was looking under every rock and every crack and corner of the world to figure out how do I get the money because I knew once I got it I already knew how to put it to work mm. I'm interested by this concept of that people have money, but they don't have time. So if you're an entrepreneur and this is like a second revenue stream for you to income from the stock market, uh, what would be the investment in time, not money, time, after you kind of got the basic knowledge, uh, you've tested with the virtual trading, uh, you're ready to put some money in. Does it depend on how much I've invested or how many stocks? Or where would you say, do I have to watch this daily or a weekly? What do you suggest? Here's the thing. Here's what's interesting about the stock market. And this is why I love the stock market. It's less about what you have to do for the stock market and more about what strategies do you want to apply to fit your lifestyle, right? So And I hear this one from entrepreneurs all the time. I would love to invest, but I just don't have the time. And the reality is there are strategies that don't take that much time. Does that make sense? So for, let me give you an example, because I want to make sure I'm being very specific and actionable. If you're an entrepreneur and you're running your business every day, you got employees, you're podcasting, you're coaching, you're teaching people, or, or you have a liquor store, you have a physical product, you're, you're dealing with all of that. I would never recommend for you to learn day trading because as a day trader, you have to be in front of the computer every morning at 9.30 when it opens. Maybe you're sitting there all day to four o'clock. You're trying to get in and out of stuff. Well, that's a strategy or a, a trading plan. I would never subscribe to you. I just wouldn't. If you are an entrepreneur and you don't have the time to do that, then I would tell you, you should look into index funds. And, and what are index funds? Well, index funds are a collection of stocks grouped on their industry. So for example, XLK, that stands for the technology sector. So inside of there is Apple, Amazon, Facebook, AT&T, Verizon. These are companies you're probably buying anyway, but instead of buying the actual company, you're buying the index that makes them up. And so the reason you would do that is because the index is not as volatile as buying an individual stock. So if Facebook is having a bad day and you own Facebook and that's all you own, then your whole account is having a bad day. But if you own the index, Facebook could be having a bad day, but Apple's doing well, Amazon's doing well, AT&T, Verizon's doing well. So there's probably like 40 stocks in the index. I'm just naming three or four of them. But if the other 37 or so are having a good day, then your account is growing and that's not something you have to watch every day. You just have to zoom out in big picture and say, how's the industry doing? And we know tech is booming right now. So you would just apply a strategy that doesn't involve you looking at it and managing it every day. And I think that's the piece that most people miss. They think, well, to do what you do, I have to be a full-time trader. And most people don't know that I only make one or two trades a month. The rest of the days I'm like living life or I'm teaching and coaching other people, but I only make one or two trades a month, which comes out to 24 trades maybe a year. So I'm not, I'm not trading that much because even in my life, I didn't want another job. I don't want this to be another job. I want the money working for me. So I apply strategies that allow the money to work for me. So 
I think a good rule of thumb is find a strategy that fits into your lifestyle and not say you can't do it because of your business or lifestyle. And the other thing I want to say too, to people listening and to your question is that there does not exist a high rate of return for doing nothing. Does that make sense? Like if I'm getting 50 or 100% return on my investments, which I get sometimes because I trade options, when, when someone comes to me and says, if I give you $100,000, what can you do for me? First of all, I don't know anybody, like if I'm doing it for myself, I already don't need your money. But if I am going to do it for you, what in the world makes you think that I'm going to take your money, get 100% return, give it all back to you, and then I'm going to take, what, a $1,000 cut? And I just made you $200,000? Like, I don't know anybody who's going to sign up for that. So my point, my point in saying that is when you start thinking, well, I'll pay somebody to do this for me. No one cares about your money like you do, and no one's going to get you 100, 200, 300% return. I'm not saying that they can't, but the people who can do that, your percentage on that 200% return is going to be reversed. They're going to give you 20%, and they're keeping 80%. And I think rightfully so. They're the one looking at the stock every day. They're the one managing it. They, they learn how to do it. There's no way they would – I don't know anybody that would give you the lion's share of the return. And so when you go to a, and this is not just me, because people might be like, well, this guy's greedy or something, or investment people are greedy. No, if you go put your money in the bank, for example, it's probably the same way in your country, but in the US, for every $1 you put in the bank, the bank can loan out $10, right? So you, you have a savings account where you put maybe $100,000 in there. The bank is loaning out a million dollars on the 100,000 you put in there. When has the bank came to you and said, hey, we're going to split the interest we earned on the money we loaned out from your money with you? They don't. They give you 20 cents on a dollar, right? So you got 100000 in there. You made 20 bucks at the end of the year. They're loaning your money to other people to get a mortgage on the house where they're making 200% return on or 100% return on that mortgage because when you pay a house off over 30 years, you end up paying double. Well, where do you think the bank's getting that money to loan people from? the money you put in there. Well, when's the last time they split that 100% return with you, right? They just don't do it. And so I guess my point is when you think about wanting to make 100% or, or some hyper growth, it doesn't exist in the form of, I'm just going to turn my money over to somebody else and let them do it for me. What you're signing up for is 2% growth, 5% growth. You're going to get just average stuff because if you think about how those people make money, they have to go out and get 10 of you, 50 of you. And there's no way they can look at everybody's account. They have to get a bunch of assets under management and they make a small percentage. But because they make a small percentage, they're not actively managing it. They're just trying to get a bunch of people to give them money. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I've been one of those who uh, was lost money in the financial crisis. And... I didn't know what I was doing. So I was exactly, I was what is it, a dumb fool, a stupid, <laughs> motivated <laughs> person who, uh, uh, you know, was earning good money and uh, you could buy in the banks in Iceland 
when people were getting out, that was like six months before the crash. That's when the people like yourself would have been getting out, you know, because they watched the market and they saw what was happening and the warning signs were there. But people like myself, busy in their jobs, not watching anything, I lost my money. So caught you off guard. (laughs) Caught me off guard. But I'm very motivated to start again because as an entrepreneur, we shouldn't put all our eggs in one basket. So if we, if and when, and, and, and most people should be making a profit to actually put that into the stock market and invest into strategies that don't require me to watch it every day, maybe just once a week or once a month and uh, learn from you. So Jason, where do people get started? I bet you have inspired many listeners to get started. We will link uh, to your website, but what is the best way to get started when people go to your website? Yeah, and before I answer that, I do want to say one thing. When you talked about losing money when the market kind of crashed, well, most people don't know that when you trade options, you can buy something called a put option. You can actually make money on the market falling. So you don't necessarily have to get out. You just need to adjust the strategy, right? So instead of hoping things go higher, you switch your strategy around and you actually hope things fall because you can make money from things falling. And most people don't don't know that. And so man, learning those strategies is what's key. And so where can people get started? So my website's thebrownreport.com. That's the best place to find me, the best place to get started learning this information. We have several free trainings on the website. We have a podcast. Um, we have a, a webinar called Stock Market Secrets, which talks about some of the stuff I share with you, how to read a chart, how to determine when to buy and when to sell. And then there's a free training on there about how to get started with call and put options. So you guys should make money if the market goes down. And so thebrownreport.com, that's where they can find all things uh, trading for me. Fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm looking forward to see you soon in New York. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing this with my audience. Thanks for having me. Go to sigm.com forward slash 182 for the show notes. And there you'll also find links to Jason Brown and The Brown Report. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.